this is a show for rarity seekers out there. This is a show for the people who crave those low population cards and stickers. A show for people who like to turn left when the market's starting to turn right. A show for people who don't want to be told who to buy, because the fun is working it out for yourself. Now let's do this. Cue top loader tapping. Welcome to episode four of Pop One. There's no fancy name this time. Fancy is maybe a kind word. There's no questionable pun. It's just straight to the point, modern versus vintage. I think this is an always topical debate in cards, and yeah, it's one I want to cover a bit today. It was inspired by the, I guess, the boom and bust of like Prism over the spring and the summer, and then how vintage cards really sort of picked up the pace after that bust. And yeah, they sort of took over the mantle for the hobby. And yeah, a lot of people were wondering, am I doing the wrong thing with modern cards? Should I be going into vintage? And yeah, I just want to give my thoughts on that and how it is potentially just a cycle. It's just a normal thing we need to be aware of and yeah, be ready for next year. <laughs> the name Pop One is proven a bit too apt at the moment in terms of viewing figures, but I'm going to keep plugging away with these. It just gives me more motivation to make them better. And yeah, these are like therapy for me. There's so much going on in your head. You absorb so much info in this hobby that, yeah, it's nice to just get it out. So me personally, I don't have those day-to-day -day sort of face-to-face -face interactions about soccer cards. So yeah, it's nice to just get your thoughts out on a podcast or written form. I've got some articles. But yeah, it's good to just get it out. I find it therapeutic. So yeah, it's, getting, it's coming out now. First, actually, I just want to start with some sort of corrections from previous episodes. Uh, appreciate it if you did listen to those. Well, firstly, I referred to David Beckham's sort of Premier League gold rookie card as his sort of true rookie. The word true shouldn't have slipped out there. Uh, what I actually think about that card is it's his, it's my favourite sort of rookie era card of his. It's the card where he's celebrating his halfway line goal. And yeah, that pretty much in itself is why it's my favourite card. But no, if you're talking about True Rookie, then he's, his Merlin stickers from the year before. So yeah, that, that I guess, would count as a True Rookie, whereas the Beckham Premier League gold maybe doesn't count as a True Rookie. Uh, stickers versus cards, I, I think I worded it as, I tolerate stickers, whereas I really like cards. I don't want to look like I'm shitting on stickers too much. It's just my personal view that, for me, the role of a sticker is... Um, if it's the first year item of that player. So it's only rookie stickers and if no card exists from that year. So if there was a card and a sticker from the very first year for a player, I'd personally go after the card. I, pr I prefer the size of them. They're a bit more sturdy. Um, there's a bit, because they are a bit bigger, there's a bit more room of things to do in terms of design. Uh, you know, you're more likely to get an insert for a card, whereas stickers, it's just sort of, it's normally just the portrait or nothing. So yeah, that's just my personal view on stickers. I still definitely respect them and know their worth. But yeah, me, I'm not, I'm not going after a tenth year sticker of a player, for example. Whereas I still might go after a tenth year card of a player. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to correct that. And no, another one, actually, a final one. I don't want it to come across like I was super down on Stanley Matthews. I think if I was going to extend my uh, goats by decade, if I was going to go earlier to the forties. I mean, I think he might be he might be the goat of that decade. He's definitely in the conversation from what I gather. But yeah, I just I just thought it was a bit just weird that a for, someone in their forties won a Ballon d'Or. That just seems a bit off to me. 
So yeah, again, anyone bit more knowledge or a bit older, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm ha- I'm happy to sort of learn if I'm just being ignorant there. Uh, and yeah, I, I didn't go early in the 50s because I like to at least look at some clips of these players in action rather than it is nice to read about them. But yeah, I'd like to sort of ideally see stuff. And also, it's probably no coincidence that my interest in football sort of starts when Brazil start getting sort of really good, sort of in the 50s. So yeah, I think that's no coincidence there. First thing I want to say is the modern vintage cycle that we sort of saw firsthand this sort of spring, this summer. Yeah, it's just sort of a well-known cycle in basketball. So yeah, I like to refer to basketball because card-wise, if not sport-wise, it is the more established card sport than soccer. I think that's fair to say. That's not insulting to, I was going to say either party. It's not insulting to soccer. But yes, there's sort of a well-known cycle that during the NBA season, obviously the modern cards and the active players, that's that's when their prices are going up because obviously they're playing, there's more attention on them. And then as soon as the NBA finals finish, that's when that's when the active players sort of prices start to dip. They start dipping. So it's a great time to buy. And yeah, meanwhile the sort of vintage players, the retired players, the sort of the the old goats of the game, the Michael Jordans, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, those sort of players, that's where their prices start to sort of gain traction. So yeah, I guess, can you apply that to soccer? I think you can. I think it does apply. I think the general theme of just buy buy during the off-season, sell during the season, I think that is that does apply. But I think the main difference, though, between NBA and, and soccer is... The NBA is obviously just one league. You know, there's a clearly and cleanly defined off-season and on-season. I don't know if that's the right term. Just, yeah, on and off-season. Whereas, yeah, in soccer, ignore the current COVID-19 period where there's just who knows what off and and on-season is anymore. I've completely lost track. Uh, But yeah, let's just say in a normal period, there's so many more leagues in soccer. There's so many more tournaments you know you've got all the world cups the euros the gold cup the copper america there's something sort of going on a lot of the time but in general the big european leagues do sort of start and finish in the same sort of one or two week period so yeah there is a there is enough division there for i think to that be it for that to be a thing and obviously vintage cards there is no on and off season it's always the off season for vintage cards See, so in that respect, it's kind of always a good time to buy. Um, whereas, yeah, maybe active players, it's better to buy them during the off-season when they're not scoring goals, they're not in the newspapers, they're not, you know, they're not being talked about as much. But yeah, for soccer, I guess one of the main things of soccer then, what's going to happen during the World Cup? So on paper, the World Cup, it's an active, it's a... It's a tournament which active players are going to be playing in, obviously. So on, on paper, that's that's when you want to buy modern cards or rook, rookie era cards of modern active players. But at the same time, I think I think the World Cup could be great for vintage cards as well because it's just it's just sort of it's a time to sort of reminisce about all these amazing old World Cup performances, like let's say Maradona in Mexico '86. Garincha in Chile, 62. Pele in 58. Pele again in 1970. 
looking more modern, let's say what, Ronaldo in 2002, uh, what happened in 06? I don't think, don't think there was a real standout star, but maybe someone like Buffon, you know, keepers get no love. He was, he was amazing in 06, Buffon. Um, but yeah, so I think the World Cup could just be great for modern and vintage. So no real pattern there because yeah, but basketball, there is no sort of World Cup, is there? I guess you've got the Olympics, but yeah. So yeah, World Cup could just be great for everyone. World Cup could sort of resuscitate those 2014 prisms that needed resuscitating. I always do make a division there because I think there are some great 2014 World Cup cards, the prism ones, you know, the, the numbered parallels. Some of them are really nice looking. And yeah, and obviously you do have to respect that stateside, especially prism, prism is king. You know, the world, I think one thing to take away from that is just the World Cup's going to be great for everything. But yeah, the, the main point I was making there, probably not very well, is these are established cycles and I think we can apply them in the future. I don't, I think weird things happen this year, but what we saw, we saw prison boom and bust and ultra modern cards, some of them boom and bust. And then, yeah, vintage prices just took off. They're still taking off. They're still just going up and up and up. Some of them are plateaued, others not. It depends sort of how many, you know, how much those populations are swelling of some of those things. And I guess one thing to mention with regards to World Cup is, yeah, let's say, I hope it's not the case, but let's say Erling Haaland, are Norway going to qualify for a World Cup? So whilst it may be great for modern and vintage, Haaland and Norway, let's say, Maybe not Gareth Bale anymore. He's sort of clearly past his prime now. But yeah, him with Wales back in the day, Giggs with Wales back in the day, George Best and Northern Ireland back in the day. These players wouldn't be involved in the World Cup. So just focus on Haaland right now. That's his off-season, I guess. He's not topical at that time. That could be the time to buy Erling Haaland stuff. Although it's looking pretty, pretty damn expensive already. Actually, quickly, what what is vintage? I haven't even mentioned that. So just for that, I think I'll just steal Beckett's definition, which is just anything pre-1980. I think that's a good cutoff point. So I'll just steal that. Thank you, Beckett. But yeah, it's, it's obviously not as simple as just saying what happened this year with the prison boom and bust and then vintage cards just going crazy and still going crazy now. Is I think that there's so much to it more than that. I think just the the youth of the soccer market and the fact there's just hardly anything graded out there. You've got these sort of cards, which they did have tiny populations, but that's only because no one had bothered to grade them. And meanwhile, you've got these sort of vintage cards, which do have uh, tiny populations as well, but that's because they genuinely, genuinely are rare. You know, there's not, if everyone submitted their, their copies, which they had, those pops would still be low. Whereas, you know, if everyone, if everyone submitted their 2014 base prism cards, the populations are just going to go mad. And yeah, I think they probably play, played a pretty big part in not not just soccer prisms, but yeah, basketball prisms as well of these sort of ultra-modern cards. I think they played a big part in PSA just getting overwhelmed. And yeah, us all having to wait ages for our maybe more treasured things. I don't know, it sounds a bit arrogant saying, are oh, these other people holding back my cards? But yeah, I think it's... Let's just say I've seen some frustrating things submitted in in massive quantities yeah the, the name of this pod this is pop one but it's pop one with an asterisk 
pop one because it's genuinely a really rare item, not just because it's a pop one because it's a, I think I messaged one guy once, it's not pop one because it's a fifth year Nicky Butt sticker. You know, it's pop one because it's really genuinely rare and treasured. So yeah, a basketball card, I know this is a football podcast, but there was a basketball card that really took off during the the break for COVID. And that was, that was a vintage card. That was, his name, what was his name on the card? Lou Alcindor, or better known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I didn't know anything about him. I just knew him as sort of via Michael Jordan, sort of Michael Jordan's sort of points records were always sort of compared to Abdul-Jabbar. And uh, the reason I mentioned that is just one thing. I, one thing I love about him and other players in soccer is I love when the I love when the rookie card or rookie sticker for a player they have a slightly different name because it just yeah it clearly defines it divides that yeah it divides that item from the rest of that player's items. So let's bring it to the modern day. Let's say Erling Haaland for some reason decides he wants to be known as Brout Haaland from now on. You know that's going to make his sort of first year items that we have currently it's going to make them that little bit more special and stand out even more so yeah the give examples i absolutely love that marco van basten's rookie sticker his name on that is mark van basten i love that george weyer's foot 91 and foot 92 stickers there george weyer with an s so george's probably i should say that better uh muhammad ali's early stuff cassius clay but yeah i just i just love that differentiation it's just a little thing I wanted to add in here. But yeah, long story short, these are cycles. And whilst it might not apply as cleanly to soccer, with all the different extra leagues, uh, summer tournaments, World Cups, Euros, Copper Americas, Gold Cups, USA and Canada, that will make them more topical. But yeah, I think there still will be sort of, yeah, there, there will be cycles in there and patterns which we can sort of, yeah, use to decide when to buy and when to sell players. Just, yeah, factor those things in because, yeah, I think you can always learn from basketball. I will mention basketball a lot on these just for, for that very reason, just because I think it's a more established sport. And, yeah, compared to the youth of soccer, there are things to take from that. And there'll be things that you can't take from that because soccer will have its own intricacies. And, that yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, what else do I want to say? What else do I want to say? I want to say that, yeah, me personally, I'm I'm all over the place. I'm a bit of modern, bit of vintage, bit of Harland, bit of Pele. I've j just bought a, I think my first buy of 2020 was a Luka Doncic basketball card. And my last buy of 2020 was a Rivellino Mexico 70 card. So it's just a pretty eclectic mix. So yeah, me personally, I, I, yeah, collect what you like. I like some old stuff. I like some new stuff. But yeah, me personally, I I don't necessarily think of it as modern or vintage. I think of it as just good and bad cards. You know, a good card can be a modern card. It can be from 2019. It can be from 1958. And yeah, vice versa. So yeah, that's that's just the way I look at it. And yeah, I like to have a bit of both. Like I'm loving get, getting these 1970 World Cup cards just because it's just crazy to me that they're 50 years old and someone's preserved them hopefully preserve them in good shape and they're not sort of reprints that's why they're in such good shape but yeah that's i just yeah love the age of those things it's just i love i love having the excuse to go look back at these players playing so i was researching he'll pop onto my post soon jerson from brazil gave me an excuse to research him he sort of reminds me of a almost like a left-footed pirlo 
sort of if Pirlo smoked 20 cigarettes a day, that's what Gerson reminds me of. He's just that sort of sandwich over the top, the old Cesc Fabregas pass to sort of a, a speedster up front. He just seemed to perfect that long ball. But yeah, one thing, so I'm from a fancy football background, one thing I'm loving about cards as opposed to fancy football is fancy football, you look back to the past, you're sort of wasting your time. But in, in soccer, it just counts as research. It's just it's just a great excuse to look back at all these old players you used to love. Whereas, yeah, fancy football, you're just wasting time. I mean, what what is a good card? So, yeah, when I say good and bad, I'm probably just talking about value or the value they sort of gather in the market. And that's mainly down to sort of, yeah, population reports or rarity. But no, if... If you th if you enjoy a card, that's a good card, regardless of what anyone else thinks. But yeah, so yeah, for me personally, I don't think of modern vintage, I think of good and bad, and that's my personal interpretation of good or bad. But I guess there is also a market interpretation of what's a good and bad card, or sticker. Sorry, stickers. Uh, but yeah, that's all she wrote for today. I hope you got something from it. If not, hopefully episode five about Erling Haaland and his new market might give you something instead. Cool. Take it easy. Happy New Year. And yeah, see you next time. Hey, how you doing, kid? This is an announcement to fellow pirates of the Cardboard Caribbean. My name is Tony Toploader, and I just want to say, if you enjoyed this episode of Pop One, don't be shy to share the love. Get the word out there, okay? Tony Toploader, over and out. Happy New Year. Be careful of those base prisms. <laughs>